0: Okay, today we're starting a new series called God's Top Ten. God's Top Ten. Now, I know when you think of the Ten Commandments, the first thing you think of is that is not exciting at all. But I promise you, once I tell you the real truth behind the Ten Commandments, it'll be much more, much more exciting to you. Um, Not only that, I'm going to prove to you over the next ten weeks that every person in here, even the children have all failed every single one of the Ten Commandments. They are not just what you that one little verse. They are not, they're much, much deeper than that. And we've all failed every single one of them. Even the murder one, I'm going to prove it to you biblically that we have failed that commandment in God's eyes. And at the end of each sermon for the next ten weeks, I'm going to lead us in a 30-second prayer of repentance. Uh, I think God's trying to teach me to teach you all how to repent uh, quicker. And I repent just doesn't mean forgive me. Repent means I recognize this is wrong and I need you to change me. Not me change myself, but I need you to change me. So we're going to do that. Now, Ten Commandments. Before we get into part one, uh, you know, we were in New York last week and there's a lot of protesters all over New York streets, you know. Uh, And and I have a question for you. And when I ask this, I want everybody to raise your hand, okay? How many of you believe there should be prayer in schools? Everybody raise your hand just for fun. Okay, now put your hands down. How many of you actually pray in your house, though? You know, uh, oh, I don't, no, 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 no. You're going to do that because you're... How many of you pray with your children? Don't raise your hand because not everybody's going to raise their hand on that. I think there should be prayer in public schools during the day, but at night, we don't really pray with our kids. I want that to happen at public school. Okay, here's why I'm saying that. How many of you believe that the Ten Commandments should be in the courtroom and in schools? Raise your hand. Okay, now how many of you know all ten of the commandments? Raise your hand if you know all ten commandments. I'm going to call on you. And that, wait, wait. First of all, if anybody starts looking on their phone right now, point them out to me, okay? Okay. Who knows all ten commandments in order? Oh, how many of y'all have seen the movie? <laughs> oh, we've seen the movie, Pastor. Okay. So, okay. Who, who knows the ten commandments for real? You raise your hand. You know them. Again, you you know them. There's ten of them. She's like, I don't know how many I know. There's ten. I'm just kidding. Who else knows the ten commandments? Okay, those of you that raise your hands, don't answer, okay? I want everybody else to answer, okay? I got a pen. Let's see if we can name all 10 of them, okay? Now, if you, um, if you think you know one of them, raise your hand. Okay, Tim, give me one. Okay, got that one. Somebody else? Hold on. This thing's not working. Okay, well, I said raise your hand, Betty. You already got an F. Yes. Okay, steal. That's good. Okay. Well, what did you say? Obey your mom and dad. Good job. And a kid got that. Man, whoever your mom and dad is, they are so excited that you're in church today. Okay. Get yeah, back there at the back. Not lie. Good job. Go. What is it? That's close. But I don't want to say it out loud because somebody will get it. Give, yes. Not covet. That's the one you are thinking. That's good. That's good. Okay, next. Well, they, they said that. Okay, they said that one. Next nobody's raising their hands. Okay, adultery, we got that one, good. You're not allowed to answer. Yes, sir. No other gods before me. How many of y'all forgot about that one? Okay, Ken. Idols, good job, idols. Sabbath day, Dominic got that one with the Sabbath day. Okay, there's one more y'all are forgetting. Nope huh I'm not gonna no other gods no idols Sabbath day honor mother and father don't kill adultery steal lie covet there's one more you're missing don't put no, gods before me. no that's the new one that's the new one yes don't use the Lord's name in vain, vain. yeah y'all got all 10 it only took 25 minutes that's great Okay, before we go into the commandments, just uh, every week I'm going to give you a little bit of knowledge about it before we go into the particular commandment. Today's knowledge is for those of you who are new to the Christian faith, and that is this. He gave the Ten Commandments to who? Who's the man he gave it to? Moses. Moses. And so that's why it's called the Mosaic Law. So for your notes, if you ever hear the phrase Mosaic Law, that means the Ten Commandments that started off with Moses and then they were given to the people um, the mo- and if you hear any, any Christians talking about being under the law, they're not talking about speeding or jaywalking, they're talking about the Ten Commandments. So that's the Christian lingo that you might hear if you're not a believer. Ten commandments. Okay, so here's my question. Put the picture up there. You found them in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. So why are we studying the Ten Commandments? What's the point? Is it because there's things we should do and shouldn't do, and that's what we need to learn about? What is the reason behind the Ten Commandments? And here's the answer the answer is relationship. It's all about relationship. The first four commandments are about our relationship with God. The last six are about our relationship with people. It's all, in fact, if I wanted to rename this, the series at God's Top 10, I could name it this 10 Ways to Have Healthy Relationships with God and with People. It's all about relationships. All about, um, it, it, let's say you're leaving church today and you have a three or four year old child out front and you're talking to people and you look at your child and you say, Do not. Go in the street. There's cars running by. Do not. Thou shalt not. Now, don't. Don't. You're not going in the street. Don't go in the street. Are you saying that to your child because you want to stop them from having fun? Are you saying it because um, you want them to have a bad day? Are you saying it because uh, you're just trying to be mean and controlling and manipulative? Or are you saying that because you know if you do that, you could get hurt. It will hurt you. And if your child gets hurt, it actually hurts you more than it hurts the child. And you don't want that to be, you don't want there to be any kind of pain in that relationship, so you say, don't play in the street. You understand? Now, if your child goes and plays in the street after you said not to, and your child got hit by a car, not killed, but they got hit by the car, a broken bone, the ambulance comes, there's blood, you're rushing to the hospital, and you are incredibly upset, are you upset and angry and mad, and you can't wait to discipline them because they played out in the street? Or are you upset and sad and hurt because you saw what happened to them and the fact that it hurt them, it hurts you as well? Which one? Mad or sad? Sad. That's what it's like for the Ten Commandments. God's not trying to say, I'm trying to stop you from having fun. I want to manipulate you, control you. He's what he's saying. If you do this, it's going to hurt your relationship with me and it's going to hurt your relationship with other people. And I don't want you to go into that. I don't want you to fall for that. I want you to have a healthy relationship with me and with people. So that's the purpose of the Ten Commandments. Now, part one today, I have a word for every commandment to help you remember each one, okay? So for your notes, and you have your little note things I've filled out for you, part one today is sovereignty. Sovereignty. And it comes from the first commandment, which is Exodus 20, verse 3. And it says this, you shall have no other gods before me. He's saying, this will hurt our relationship incredibly. If you put another God before me, it's going to mess up what we have going on. So don't do it. I have three R's for you today, three points under sovereignty. Point number one is this. God is our number one relationship. He is our number one relationship. Let me ask you a question. Using the whole Bible to answer, not just the Ten Commandments, but using the whole Bible, what is the top two greatest commandments in the entire Bible? Nobody raised their hand again. I'm just kidding. No, y'all did good. Okay. So Jesus even told us, Mark 20, 30, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, your mind, and your strength. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this, right? Love God, love people. Everybody say, love God. Love, God. love people. Love people. See, y'all, y'all like, love God. Uh, love people. Okay. So these are the two greatest commandments. Here's my question. How do we do this? How? If, if, if someone told me, you need to really love your wife. Does that mean I need to see her once a month, once a year? Does it mean I need to, I need to help her if she's hurting? What does that mean? Okay, what does it mean, love the God and love people? How do we do that? Here's how. The Ten Commandments. It's easy. The Ten Commandments show us how to love God, how to love people. And people, a lot of Christians will say this, and it bothers me when they say this, but they say this. We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. Okay, they don't even know what that means. Here's what that means. You don't need the law to get God. You don't need the law to go to heaven. You don't need to obey the Ten Commandments for God to love you unconditionally. We're under grace. We're under Jesus. We're under the new blood. Okay, But grace empowers us to obey what God asks us to do so that our relationship with Him is solid. Grace is the strength we get to obey the Ten Commandments. It's not, I do the Ten Commandments, and then God loves me. He loves you unconditionally. But we need the Ten Commandments to learn, how do I love God? How do I love people? Isn't that so cool? Okay, it's cool to me. Anyway, so, um, okay, so, listen. The only reason that God created Adam and Eve, the only reason, everybody say only. only. That means no other, here's the only reason was this, to have a relationship. That is it. He created the angels to serve him. He created the sun, the moon, stars. But he wanted a relationship with somebody who wanted a relationship with him. So he created a being that had a free will. And that's all he wanted. Now listen, the only reason you're alive, the only reason that you have breath, the only reason that you are uh, here today, the only reason God allowed you to be born on this planet is because he wants a relationship with you. He wants it so bad. That when y'all's relationship was broken through sin, he gave away his child so that you could be his child. He redeemed you with his own child. He bought you back. You were a slave to sin, but he paid a price because he wanted so bad to be in a relationship with you. He gave the only thing he had one of away. That's how much he wants to be the number one relationship in your life. Uh, when, when the, when the, when the 10 commandments started, you know, verse, the first commandment is, you know, don't put any gods before me. There's a sentence before that. That's very powerful. Exodus 20, uh, verse two through three. He said this, I am the Lord, your God. In other words, we have a relationship. Moses, you tell all the people, I am your God. We're in relationship. Here's the next thing. He said, I brought you out of Egypt, out of bondage and slavery. I paid a price. I did something. I used my power. And my strength and my might to bring you to a place where you and I could be in a relationship. So listen closely. Don't have any other gods before me. I paid a price for you. I want to be in a relationship with you. If you do this, it's going to hurt our relationship. Not help, but it, it's going to hurt it. It's going to, so don't put anything else before me. Um, I don't know if you all know this about me, but I like to joke around a lot. I like joke around like way too much like just way too much far unhealthy but anyway um when me and mark became really really close friends this is maybe two three years ago he came to me one day and he said john paul uh you know me and you like to joke around a lot there's one thing you're never allowed to joke around with me about in public now I honestly forgot what that one thing was. So I'm sure that if I do it, he'll remind me. But either way, I'm sure he'll remember if I ever do it. But here's what he was saying. He was saying, John Paul, I love our relationship. I'm glad we're friends. But if you do this, it's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt our relationship. Now, did I say, well, I'm going to do it anyway? You say this hurts you? You say you don't like this? (laughs) I think it's funny. I'm going to joke around about it forever. What would that do to our relationship? Is it okay if your spouse tells you, this hurts me? Is it okay if your friends say, this really helps our relationship, this doesn't help. That's all God's doing. That's all God's doing. He's said, I, I want to be the number one most important relationship in your life, and here's some ways that can happen. After the Ten Commandments, verse 17 ends the commandments, and the next phrase after the next verse is Exodus twenty eighteen. It says, the people trembled when they heard the thunder. They stood a long way off. And said to Moses, if you speak to us, we'll listen. But don't let God speak or we will die. Moses said, don't be afraid. But when Moses went near to God, the people stayed a long way off. Okay, this is what a lot of people do today when they hear the commandments, when they hear scriptures, when they hear sermons that are very clear about what the Bible says. They want to say, okay, I I want a relationship with God through the pastor. I want a relationship with God through my spouse my wife she's much more spiritual than me so i'm just going to bring home the bacon and she's going to tell me what god wants us to do with it or my husband you know he's always very strong he says he's the head of the household so i just take care of the kids and i do that. And, and, but he tells us what god wants for our family no, no 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 god needs to be the number one relationship in your life your relationship doesn't have to look like mine with god or your spouse's with god or your parents with god i was just telling a friend of mine this past week um he, he said you know Bible college, it's a lot of um, teaching. Just, you know, a lot of uh, professors giving lectures. And I said, yeah, that's what, that's what college is like. And, um, I, and he said, well, that's not really for me. That's okay. Some people, they like to go outside and, and go camping and, and go to the beach. And they spend time with God with nature. That's fine. Some people like to do devotion. Some people like to read the Bible. Some people like to listen to sermons. That's fine. Your relationship doesn't have to look like my relationship with God. But your relationship with God does need to be number one. Here's what the people were saying. They were saying this. Um, Moses, um, Moses, wanted to, Moses wanted a relationship with God. The people wanted a relationship with God through somebody else, through Moses. Here's an important point. I determined the depth of my relationship with God. Not my pastor, not my spouse, not my parents. They were saying this. They were saying, let's let the pastor meet with God all week long. And then we're going to come to church and hear what God has to say to us. That's fun. You know why we do this? You know why we don't meet with God a lot? Here's why. They said, uh, if we do, we will die. Your flesh always dies in the presence of God. There are people who don't want to hear a sermon because they're scared it's going to hurt their flesh. It's okay if it hurts your flesh. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, There are people they don't worship because their prideful flesh may die. Well, if I lift my hands, what are people going to think about me, around me? They're watching me. Your pride's going to die if you lift your hands. I don't want my pride to die. I'm going to leave my hands down. There are people that don't give in the offering because they don't want to put God first. If I, if I honor God with my tithe, that means he's in charge of my finances. I like to stay in charge of my finances. So they don't want to put God first in that area. Psalms 103.7 says, God made his ways known to Moses, but his acts to the Israelites. Here's what that means. Um... The Israelites knew the Ten Commandments and what was right and what was wrong. Moses knew why God wrote the Ten Commandments. The Israelites saw the Ten Plagues and they saw the, the Red Sea part. and They saw what God did. Moses knew why God did it. The Israelites, they knew the power of God. Moses knew the heart of God. And until you decide that God's going to be the number one relationship in your life, you'll never know the heart The reason, the motives, the why, you'll think it's just a commandment. This is right. This is wrong. This is what we got to do. But when you get the presence of God, you realize that he loves you so much that when you hurt, he hurts worse because he loves you more than you love you. And so we always put people before God, the pastor, the spouse, the friend. God should always be the number one relationship in your life. Number two, God is our refuge, our number one refuge. Number one. Everybody say number one. A refuge is an elevated fortress, a high place, a rock, or a habitation. A wrong refuge is a God before you. So here's my question. Where do you run to first when you feel insecure? Where do you run to first when you have some jealousy issues? What do you do first when you're hurting emotionally? Where's the first place you go whenever you have physical pain? Because if any of those answers are not God, then that is a God before you. Um, Whenever he said, you shall have no other gods before me, it sounds like he's saying, you can have other gods, just not before me. I'm not going to get into prepositional phrases and conjunctions, but here's what it really means. You shall have no other gods, period. That's actually what it means. Now, the word before, uh, that word is in the Bible 2,000 other times but it doesn't always translate in English to before. There's other words that that same word translates to, and I'm going to show them to you up here. You shall have no other gods beside me or in front of me or behind me. You shall have no other gods because of me. You shall have no other gods in my face. You shall have no other gods on the side of me, against me, other than me. I am sovereign. I am supreme ruler. I'm over everything. Don't you dare put another god in front of our relationship. Uh, Why did God have to tell them this? Uh, Why why, why do I even have to preach this message? Why do I I even have to remind us that our number one refuge should be God? Here's why. Uh, God's people, the Israelites, you have to imagine they were in slavery for 430 years. Okay, They're getting beaten and abused and working their fingers to the bones by people who are worshiping false gods. They had 2,000 lesser gods and our 29 main gods, they were polytheistic. Polytheist, it's a theological term that means many gods. Polytheist, many gods. And so imagine that you're getting beat and abused and you're in slavery and the people doing this to you are rich and wealthy and happy and peaceful and they're worshiping the sun, the moon, the plants, the animals, the sand. Tell me something in your mind would not think this. I need to start worshiping what they're worshiping. I need to start doing what they I need to start worshiping the stars. I need to start worshiping the creation rather than the creator because these people that are doing it, man, they're well off. Good things are happening to them. There were 29 main gods the Egyptians worshipped, and I have them up here for you, and I put them in alphabetical order for you just so you could see them. Uh, One of them's name is Happy. They spelled it wrong, but, you know, Happy. Uh, Another one's name is Isis. I mean, that's not interesting. Uh, One of them's name is Nut. He was the crazy one. And uh, another one. Okay, so there's there's a God. Okay, why am I saying this? Because Psalms 46.1 says this. God is our refuge and strength. Not just help. Not just a present help. But a very present help in trouble. Here's my question. What is your refuge? Now, because we're in church, everybody's going to say, God, God's my refuge. I I just love God. God's always God. God's just the best. Okay, but if I gave you truth serum today and we brought you on stage and we said, where do you run to when you're hurting? Maybe your answers would look something like this. Alcohol is a very present help in time of trouble. My Android is my refuge and strength. Starbucks is a very present help in times of trouble. Marijuana is my refuge and strength. Cigarettes and chocolate and caffeine I am stepping all over your toes. Like just the pornography, sports, self-promotion. When I'm hurting, I promote myself. When I'm hurting, I go on Facebook and I put a picture of myself in a bikini so everyone knows how good I look. I talk about all the great things I've done. I let everyone know how special I am. Because I'm feeling insecure, I don't run to God. I run to social media. Are any of these your gods? Don't answer that question at all, please. Please. But could it be that these are some wrong refuges in our life? Any other refuge is us trying to find relief that God wants to give us first. Uh, 2 Chronicles 16.12 says, King Asa, is probably pronounced Asa, but because I'm from Socasty, I say Asa. King Asa developed a severe disease in his feet. You would have thought it was somewhere else because of his name. Anyway, yet in his illness, he did not turn to the Lord for help, but to doctors. And he died two years later. Nothing wrong with going to doctors. Where do you go first? That's the question. Oh, because you're in church. You sound great. Okay, good. So, <laughs> let me tell you. If, if Micah and I, my wife and I, were out on the beach one day and we're sharing a beach towel and we're just sitting there together just, you know, out, out there looking at the waves and a, a woman walks by and I see her but I continue to stare and she's walking. I continue to stare from the front and as she walks by, I continue to stare at the back. Now, Micah would not leave me. But how many of you understand that would create distance between us? Now, you know you could be in the same car with somebody and have distance between you? You can be in the same home with somebody and feel miles apart. What if I got up and went to that woman to meet a need in my life that only my wife is supposed to meet? Would that create Distance between us. Absolutely. What if I went to pornography to meet a need that my wife is supposed to meet in my life? Would that create distance? Yes, God is saying when you put other refuges before me, it creates distance. And people say, well, I just don't feel close to God. God has not moved. He's not, and I'm not talking about some sin. Don't feel guilty and condemned because God, Jesus paid the price for that. Guilts of the devil. You know, you can feel convicted and repent, but don't think, oh, I do this wrong. God's mad at me. No, 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 no. here's what I'm saying. When you run to anything before you run to God, it's always going to create distance in your relationship. In fact, spiritual depression, not clinical. I am not a doctor. I'm a pastor. Spiritual depression is caused by going to the wrong refuge for years. Christians who are battling spiritual depression... It's because they run to people or places or whatever it is, cigarettes, whatever it is. And and listen, I'm not condemning anything you're doing. I'm just saying, go to God first to make sure you're not going. You know, Oreos can talk. I promise you, when I've had a bad day, I swear I come home and I hear something from the pantry saying, Did you have a bad day today? I could could swear it says, Just twist me counterclockwise and eat half of me. Half of me is okay. And of course, I'm going to eat the half that has the... White stuff on it, you know? (laughs) Anyway. Okay, so God's our number one relationship. Our number one refuge. Number three is this. God is our number one recipient. He should be the first recipient of our wealth, of our energy, of our day, of our time, because He is the resource for everything we have. You do not make money and work because of your strength and wisdom. You make money and work because God allowed you to and opened up the right door and gave you the talent and gave you the gift. It's all God, therefore he should always be the number one recipient in our life. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with the first, take it back, honor the Lord with the first of all your income, with the first. Um, I'm going to make a statement that you're probably not going to like, but I'm just going to say it anyway because, you know, I'm Charlton Heston. And so, um, so here's my statement is this. Uh, you can give money to church and you can give money to missions and you can give money to poor people, but God does not receive any of that unless it's the first 10% of your income to the local storehouse. I'm sorry. I don't want to hurt you or, or shock you or anything like that. And God is not, if you make $1,000 a week and your tithe is 100 God does not say, pay all your bills, let the government take the taxes out, and then the $100 left over you can bring to the storehouse. That's not the tithe. God is always first. Always, always first. It's a theological term called the preeminence of God. This is the reason he accepted um, Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. Cain brought it after some time. Abel brought it first. This is designated. When I get my paycheck, even though the taxes have already come out, the first 10% I have designated, I have chosen, the first 10% is going to go back to my local church. And then everything else above that I can give to missions and church and and, and poor people and things like that. Preeminence of God means this. God will never be number two. Even if you make him number two in your finances, he'll never be number two. You can make him number nine. He'll never be number nine. Never. It's totally your choice if you're going to allow. It, this means that God will never win a silver medal. This means if God played golf, 18 holes, his score would be what? 18. <laughs> He's always going to get a hole in one. He's the best. He's the greatest. He's always number one. Always, always, always. Um, in in uh, 1 Kings uh, Elijah, the prophet, the man of God was, was, hungry. He was starving and there was famine in the land. So God said, listen, Elijah, I'm your God. I'll provide for you. Go to the city of Zarephath. There's a widow woman. Her and her son will give you the food that you need. So they go to, so Elijah goes to Zarephath, knocks on the door, comes in, says, God said, you'll provide for me. In in first Kings 17, 12, she said, all I have is a handful of flour in a bowl, oil in a jar. I'm going to bake it for me and my son. And we're going to die. We're going to die. You know, so funny. People that don't honor God first financially, um, they have this thought, I'm going to get ahead one day and then I'm going to put God first. Okay, listen to my question. (laughs) You're not getting ahead now and you've never gotten ahead without putting God first. So why keep trying? Because sooner or later, you're going to die. And so Elijah told her in verse 13, here's what you need to do. You need to bake me some bread first. Now, I don't know if you're a really good Christian like I am. I am such a good Christian that um, I don't cuss out loud, but I can cuss in my head so well. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I call it thussing. You know, you think and cuss, you thuss. And so I'm such a good thusser that I can actually look at you in the face and smile and thuss. <laughs> you little, you said that to me, you little. And so I think that this woman was a thusser. I think that when Elijah said, you're about to die, but give me the food you have. I believe she thought in her mind, oh, you man of God, I'm going to believe it. He believe you. And I bet she thought she was going to make a pie like Minnie did in the help, you know. That's probably what she thought. That's the kind of, I'll bake you one of those. Anyway, okay, but she didn't. Verse 15, she did as Elijah said, and there was always enough flour. The oil never went empty, just as the Lord promised through Elijah. She puts God, now here's my question. Did God send Elijah to the widow for her to provide for him? Or did God send Elijah to the widow for him to provide for her? The answer is yes. Isn't that amazing? Put God first. Ne- now, here's what I love about this. And, and this is a whole other sermon, but just a quick quick little side point. The oil in the Old Testament represents the anointing. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. The greatest definition you will ever understand of the word anointing in the Bible is the empowerment to prosper through Jesus Christ. In other words, the empowerment to succeed, not by your own strength or your own creativity or your own uh, wisdom or your own finances, uh, not by your own contacts in your phone, but the empowerment to prosper through what Jesus Christ is working in your life. Okay, listen real close. If you want to grow in the anointing, put God first. If you want Jesus Christ to empower you to success in your marriage, put God first. If you want Jesus Christ to empower you at school, I don't care if your mom and dad is not putting God first, you can put God first. I don't care if your spouse doesn't put God first, I don't care if your I don't none of that matters. The question are you putting God first? That's the question. Proverbs 3:6 in everything you do, put God first and you will succeed. Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, all of His righteousness, and these things will be added unto you. I'm not talking to anyone next to you. I'm talking to you, period. Is God the number one relationship, refuge, and recipient in your life? Um, I want to close with some quick scriptures that just point out that God is number one. Deuteronomy four thirty five. The Lord is God. There is no other besides Him. Isaiah 45, 5, I am the Lord. There is no other. There is no God besides me. 2 Samuel 7, 22, there is none like thee, neither is there any beside thee. Isaiah 43, 10, I am the first, the last, and beside me, there is no God. Psalms eighteen thirty one. is there any God like our God? Heck no. Is there any rock except our God? Heck no. Isaiah 37, 16, O Lord who is enthroned above the angels, you are God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you made heaven and earth. Psalms 121, 2, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalms 86 10 for you are great you do wondrous deeds you alone are God Isaiah 46 9 I am God there is no one else I am God there is no one like me Deuteronomy 4:39 take it to heart that the Lord is God in the heavens above and on the earth below there is no other Ephesians 4.6, one God father of all who is sovereign above all through all and in you all that's the southern scripture right there in you all James two nineteen there is one God the demons even believe and they tremble with fear Nehemiah 9 6 you alone are the Lord you made the heaven of heavens with all their angels the earth and all that's on it the season all that's in them you give life to all of them the heavenly host even bowed down before for you first Timothy 1 to the king eternal immortal invisible the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever amen how dare we put a God before him how dare we do that the success or failure of every single area of our life depends solely on whether or not we put God first every single area I mean I'll save you so many counseling bills I'll save you so much headache. When you have a problem, here's what you need to ask yourself: Where am I put God at in this situation? Have I already prayed? Have I already run to the Word? Have I already sought Him for help? What, 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 where, don't please don't come to me first. <laughs> I will ignore your call. <laughs> I should have a. You know what I should do? I, you know how they have those texts where when someone texts you, it automatically comes back. Every time someone texts me, it should say: Have you seen God? <laughs> have you gone to God first? God should be number one. Amen.